everyone, Kitty here. Before we dive into the podcast, I wanted to give you a couple of reminders. The first is that we touch on a lot of sensitive subjects that could be possible emotional and trauma triggers for people. If there are any topics that you're sensitive to, we recommend that before you watch any of the movies or listen to our podcasts, you check the website doesthedogdie.com. Also, this podcast is not kid-friendly and not safe for work. Please listen responsibly. Finally, this podcast contains spoilers. If you're like me and don't like spoilers, please watch the movie before listening. Thank you, and happy haunting. This is Hounds of Horror with Max. Uh, what is a non-fatal murder? <laughs> Victor. No, you're no, stupid. It doesn't matter how close you live to your house. But anyway. How close you live to your house. That's a lot. a lot of words for I'm trying something instead of porn. <laughs> <laughs> We need to stop clicking our pens like a bunch of fucking assholes. A bunch of pen clickers. I'm Victor. I'm Max. And I'm Kitty. And this is Hounds of Horror, the podcast where the three of us get together and discuss horror movies for an unreasonable amount of time. (laughs) An undefined amount of time as well. Yeah. That as well. Yeah. It's probably another unsomething too, but I can't think of one. (laughs) Undisciplined? That. That's Mm. a good one. It'll serve as a placekeeper until we think of a better one. Yeah, I smart with words sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess some general housekeeping. I think I mentioned this in the last one, but we do have an email address up that you guys are welcome to use to write us about your likes about the podcast, your complaints about the podcast, your suggestions for the podcast, your opinions on movies that we watch. And that email address is houndsofhorrorpod at gmail.com. So it's like Hounds of Horror Podcast, but without the cast part. At gmail.com. <laughs> I think that's basically all the housekeeping stuff that we have. I have a s- small one. It's pronounced catoptrophobia. Catoptrophobia. <laughs> catoptrophobia. It is the phobia of mirrors, or rather, specifically, your reflection. I do you have, have a phobia for tonight? I do not. I unfortunately did not have time to do uh, any kind of research. And the, this movie isn't specific enough for me to really look into one phobia, mm. unfortunately. So there's no phobia. Fair. Well, we'll get to it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this week we did the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark movie. Oh, yay! It was based on the stories that were collected by Alvin Schwartz and the horrific, horrific drawings that were done by Stephen Gamble. Just, I don't understand how that man came up with those things. I don't know either. <laughs> They're terrifying. <laughs> uh, if you're not aware of what the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark books are... I highly recommend that you check them out Me because too. they are fan-freaking-tastic. I was obsessed with these books. Mine is nearly falling apart. I read it so many times whenever I was a kid. It's recommended for kids ages 9 and up. I was definitely reading it earlier than that. I don't think you should read it if you're younger than, like, 30. <laughs> That's mm. probably <laughs> more fair than what I just said. <laughs> These books are definitely one of those... I wouldn't even say they're a cult classic at this point. I think they're just a classic. Uh, especially for the horror genre. Or even just, like, suspense or... Suspense? Lore. Yes, suspense. These books are, are great. And I think everybody that we talk to about them, anyone who's read them, they have one that really sticks out for them. Maybe we can go into that later. Yeah. So, just real quick, the movie was starring Zogi Mark... Zogi? Wow. Zogi Bear. <laughs> Zoe Margaret Coletti as Stella Nichols, 
Michael Garza as Ramon Morales, Gabriel Rush as Augie Hildebrandt, and Austin Z- Zajor, Zajor as Chuck Steinberg. I don't know how to pronounce that. Zajor. Zajor. That, you're probably right. I did not look up a YouTube video of how to say his name. <laughs> and also, I will say, I looked up some of his history, and I don't recognize anything that he's in. Yeah. So clearly it doesn't matter. Yeah. He is a young actor, but still. <laughs> it was directed by Andre Overdahl, and the writers were Dan Hager- Hageman, Kevin Hageman, and others. Also, the Pan's Labyrinth guy had a hand in this, didn't he? Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. So they overplayed that a lot, from what I understand. Um, they made it seem as though he was a uh, co-producer of the movie, when really kind of seems like they just sort of bounced some ideas off of him, and he had a, a general, like, subtle hand in the movie, but I don't think he had quite as much as what they were saying. But he did have some input, I guess, Definitely. which... I read an article where they accredited him with the very realistic costumes. I am not surprised about that at all. Yeah. At all. Very much so. We will definitely get into more about that. We will. And I appreciate his use of actual costumes instead of CG for everything. Yes. Yes, I love practical effects, and I am so big on them. What was that movie? Star Wars Rogue One? And they CG'd Governor Tarkin in? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's horrible. They CGI'd... I know they CGI'd Leia in at the end, because... I mean, they had to. I may have fallen asleep at that point. Carrie Fisher was a lot older than she was whenever the the first movie came out, but... but (laughs) Let's talk about that movie. Yeah. So, what else have the... The actors been in Max? Well, <laughs> these are most of these people were very young actors, so they don't have a long list yet of stuff people might recognize them from. But Zoe Margaret Coletti was Tessie in Annie, like the new Annie that yes. came out. Okay, well, I mean, oh. obviously she wasn't in the like nineteen sixties <laughs> version of Annie, but yeah, she was negative fifty years old. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Michael Garza was in The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part One. He played Eddie. I can see that. Was he one of the ones that got into the tournament thingy that they were in? I, I guess he wouldn't. Have you seen those movies? And by no, tournament okay. thingy, am I to assume you mean the Hunger Games? Yes. Okay. The yep. tournament thingies. <laughs> like I have movie. not seen Mockingjay Part 1, but I did see the first Hunger Games and I liked it, so maybe no. I'll check out Michael Garza here. Speaking of great costuming, anyway. <laughs> it's, you know, like that movie where they fight and, and the stars, they have like a war. Shut what it's called. Uh... <laughs> uh, Gabriel Rush was Augie Hildebrand, of course, and he was also Roy in Gotham. If I haven't seen anything there in, I just pick one that I think people would know them from. I feel like I recognize him from... Did he maybe want to play one of the young Winchesters in Supernatural, like, Ooh, way back? I hope not. Maybe not. Anyway. <laughs> he has, there's a meme going around the internet that he reminds me of. No offense to him. <laughs> I'll have to see if I can find it and show it to you. It's like the really corny high school photo kid. Maybe oh, that's what it's called. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like wearing a sweater vest. Yeah. And has like braces and shit. <laughs> yeah, that one. Okay. That just Sorry, uh, Gabriel Rush. That's what you remind me of. Um, Austin Abrams played Tommy Milner, and he was Ron Anderson in The Walking Dead. That I did recognize him from. Ron Anderson. Yes, he dies a horrible death. I mean, they all do. I guess, well, yeah. Spoilers. In in what? Oh, yeah. Spoilers. From, from this point forward, we're discussing spoilers. So about anything that we talk about. In The Walking Dead, about season four ish or so, uh, Austin Abrams, his little brother gets brutally eaten by zombies. 
His mother starts screaming about it and gets brutally eaten by zombies. And then he goes to shoot Rick and uh, Michonne stabs him through the chest. And then he gets uh, eaten by zombies. Oh, <laughs> no wonder he's so angry. Yeah, yeah. He's got pretty good reasons to not be a happy kid. Then. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's him. So I did recognize him from okay. that. It seems like between the two, I, didn't, I don't know what the time difference was, but he grew up a lot between the two. Season four would have come out probably around 2014. God, is it that long ago? Yeah. Holy crap. Because, or 2015, maybe, yeah. All right, so. anyway. And then we have Austin Zajur, Zajur, Chuck Steinberg. I And to be honest, I went through his list, his filmography, and I didn't recognize anything yeah. that he was from. Honestly, his voice is annoying as fuck, so <laughs> I am not surprised that he wasn't used in other roles very much. So He's that friend that has the excessive personality. Which is fine. Yeah, the personality is fine. The voice is not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, I, I will be happy, though, in the future, I'll go, oh, hey, it's Austin Zizur from Scary Stories. Mm, I will not recognize any of these people ever, because <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Oh, horse crap. Because you will recognize Dean Norris. He was... Uh, the cop? Stella Nichols' dad now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He played Roy Nichols in the movie, Dean Norris did. And I know him best as Hank Schrader from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a character arc. <laughs> but let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, now, in Breaking Bad, now I'm just kidding. Huh. But uh, yeah, so that was great seeing him. And to be honest, when I saw him after Breaking Bad and I saw other movies, I'm like, holy crap, that's him when he was younger. Like, he was in Starship Troopers. He was one of the commanding officers. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was Tony in Total Recall. That's my favorite one. He was like one of those, I guess they were mutants. <laughs> his face was all fucked up. He had like a brain growing out on the right side of his head. That was fucking Dean Norris. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Of course, it's very hard to tell in that movie that it was him, but... Which one's Total Recall? I know I've seen it. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger mm. starts... Yeah. Oh, does that explain everything? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Blowing bullets. They get sucked out into space, and they're like, ah, and their eyes are getting all big, and it's yep. all like, weird. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yep. Also a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I got. All right. That's all I cared to look up. Well, let's dive right in, then. Uh, so, it starts with the little thing at the beginning. The stories heal, stories hurt thing at the very beginning. Um, the It also starts, I think, with the creepy radio DJ talking about Halloween. Yes. He occasionally pops in. He reminded me of, uh, is it Mad Dog from Fallout 4? There's the dog's ears flapping. His machine gun ears? Yeah. Was Mad Dog? Oh, no, no. That was Fallout 3, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fallout 3. My bad. And I don't think his name was Mad Dog. Wasn't it? No. Three Dog. Three Dog. It was Three Dog. Yeah. <laughs> it was Three Dog. And he was constantly... You had Three Dog and Ten Penny and... Bringing you the tunes of the wasteland. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what it reminded me of. As soon as it came in, it was talking to you about Halloween. Well, all right. Three Dogs apparently broadcasting about Halloween in this small town. This was before the apocalypse, so... Yeah. The movie had a kind of a confusing start for me. All of these kids, Chuck, Augie, and Stella, all three of them look very, very young to me. They look like they're 14, 15, 16, maybe, tops. But they keep talking about... Stella makes a comment about how it's their last Halloween together when she's narrating at the beginning. And I was like, oh, okay, somebody dies. But then I think one of the boys mentions it too whenever they're talking about going trick-or-treating. She was like, I'm not going this year. And I think Chuck was like, come on, it's our last Halloween. Like, And so I got the impression that they were seniors in high school, but I felt like they were too young for that. Yeah, it seems like they are seniors in high school. Yeah. And they're about to be leaving. But compared to the other kids in the, in the movie... 
They did seem very young. And like Tommy and Ruth, the uh, Chuck's older sister, she's definitely a senior. And I didn't get the impression that they were twins. I thought that they, he was like a couple years younger than her. Yeah, I definitely, they never really said specifically what was happening. And I know that there's, um, at least in movies and TV shows, there's this arbitrary date where kids can no longer go trick or treating because they're too old now. And I think it's probably in like the 15, 16 neighborhood. So that's immediately what I thought of whenever they said this is going to be our last Halloween. Yeah. I immediately thought of like, oh, it's this, they're hitting this arbitrary date that all these movies and like cinema have for this, you know, no longer too old for trick or treating. <laughs> okay. To be fair though, I did go trick or treating in my adult years. And the only time I did, the police were called on me, so... Because you were an adult, or because you were doing something stupid? I think because I was an adult. <laughs> I don't recall, like, vandalizing anything, okay. you know? <laughs> They're all planning their, quote-unquote, last Halloween, Augie, Chuck, and Stella, and... Their last Halloween doesn't really include trick-or-treating. It includes throwing shit bags at Tommy Milner's car and letting Tommy Milner's friends snag their bag of shit. Like, literal shit that Chuck was digging out of his toilet with a fishnet. I had to put the closed captions on, because apparently every year Tommy and his cronies, they drive by and grab their big bag of candy and just take off of it. Yes. But this time, in the big bag, they had put, to quote the one letterman in the car, old man undies. I had to, I had to put closed captioning because I had no idea what he said. <laughs> it's all woohoo! I'm like, what? <laughs> it's clearly not candy, but I can't hear what it is. And then he, yeah, he threw the brown paper bag full of shit on fire at Tommy's crotch. Yes. And got him. Which I am in support of. I don't like bullies. Yeah. But, although, uh, I will mention one odd thing that I thought was... Typically in movies like this, we're given a chance to hate the character that's about to have bad things done to them so that we don't feel bad for them. And as far as I know, we're told what this character does, but we never see it. We're told later what he did, like farting in the one kid's chocolate milk and making him drink it. <laughs> there was something else that they mention about how all, all these terrible things he does. And that, that's fine, I guess. So they just kind of want to skip over it. That's fine. I just a weird note about them kind of skipping over a typical trope of us being made to hate a character because something terrible happens by seeing it rather than being told. But, I mean, it worked. We did see him kind of being a dickhead to Harold oh, before all that. I mean, not that Harold was fucking creepy. Who would be a dickhead to Harold? That thing is fucking horrifying. Talk I about a scarecrow. Who would build a scarecrow like that? What is it made of? <laughs> that was what I asked first when I saw it. What is it made of? Which, just a quick heads up, Harold was absolutely my story in the book. I said... God bless Excuse you. me. Um, every everyone has a, a specific story they pick out of those books. That was mine. That scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid, and it still freaked me out in this movie for that specific reason. So <clears throat> I don't know why every bully is named Tommy. Mm -hmm. It just seems to work out that way. Or Tyler. <laughs> or Tyler. Or Tyler. Or uh, yeah. Tanner. They all start with T's. It's uh, just a very aggressive letter, <coughs> apparently. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why the scarecrow was so scary. It's not meant to scare people. It's meant to make birds think that there's somebody watching over the corn. Right. Or whatever. Like, literally, it just has to be a facsimile of a person. It doesn't have to have a half-rotting, ugly face with cockroaches crawling around it. I mean, according to Stephen Gamble, it does, so... I'm guessing, and this was not really given to us in the movie, so it really is just a guess, but I'm guessing that that was someone else that had been made into a scarecrow and put up in that field. That's my guess, but I don't know. That's why it was so terrifying. Okay, what do you, like, you mean that it was an actual human that was rotting? It was previously a person that I think was made into a scarecrow. Uh, see, I thought, I don't know, 
we need more information on that because I thought that it was a like a Halloween mask or something. Yeah, it's possible, but that wasn't again. We didn't really get that either. No, we didn't. Um, <laughs> we meet douchebag Tommy. We see the whole scene with the car, and then the kids start running, and that's where they first meet Ramon. Um, oh yes, in the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching Night of the Living Dead, and the kids just happen to hide in Ramon's car, and that's how they. Oh, the dog has his toy, so you'll hear him. There might be some thumping and snorting in the background. No, that's definitely him. <laughs> <laughs> but they hide out in the car, and there's cute flirting between Stella and Ramon over Aww. scary stories because they like scary shit. And then Tommy finds them eventually, but the the driving keeper like scares him away. I guess I don't understand why he didn't just. The driving keeper is that what you called him? Yes, that is what I called him. The keeper of the driving. Yes. Who holdeth the keys and the scriptures? Yes. And the microphones. Or maybe he's just the manager. Whatever. <laughs> also, okay, this is where I took my first um, contention with the movie over something that doesn't actually work that way. So, one person standing next to a car does not block the view of other people in other cars, watching a screen 30 fucking feet in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so people start honking, and they're like, get down, down in front, man, and like a bunch, like multiple cars, like we're talking like five, six, ten cars around them start honking, and there's, there, you can hear someone specifically say, get down, you're blocking the view. Bullshit. He's not standing any taller than the car itself is. So if anyone's blocking the view, the car is. Like, it just, it bugged me. Like, you could have people honk and be like, hey, shut up. Like, we're listening to the movie. Like, the person next to them could, like, bang on their window and be like, shut up, man. Like, I know I'm always telling people, like, telling the directors how they could have made that scene better. But that pissed me off because that's not how fucking drive-ins work. I'm also annoyed that, like, Tommy didn't just hit Ramon's car right then and there. He is clearly pissed and he's, like, trying to get the kids to come out of the car. I don't understand why he didn't just entice them out of the car by damaging it. Witnesses, maybe. Yeah. uh, Yeah, damaging a car like that is illegal. was he really (laughs) going to beat the shit out of some kids with a baseball bat in front of witnesses? Dude, any bully (laughs) like this in any movie, history of violence. Um, I can't think of any examples right now. (laughs) (laughs) But that's got another movie with a bully in it like this. Like, they're fucking serial killers that just haven't gotten into it yet. Yeah, they really, really are. (laughs) So, I don't know. I mean, it's a good example of a bully that goes way too fucking far. And we've all been bullied in some fashion or another, uh, unless you were the bully, in which case you probably were bullied too. And that's why you acted out on other people. But we'll not go into that. The point is that in movies, bullies are portrayed as being horrible human beings that are, like Max said, psychopaths. Like, 100%. They are just out to kill, murder, maim, and do whatever they can and escalate to the point that they're eventually going to kill someone. And in certain movies, okay, sure, uh, like in Stand By Me, that was kind of the point, but in this, it, I'm just getting kind of tired of that trope. Like, th- this bully is so incredibly evil that he may actually murder someone. He was also drunk. Yeah. Whenever he got back to the farm, um, his mom came out and was like, are you drunk again? (laughs) But yeah, so then they end up going to the house and this is where we end up getting our first taste of the spooky. Our first spook. Our first spook. Yeah. I think the very first ghost that we see is actually the old lady in the red room with the the dog. We had a disagreement about that. I don't think that's the first spook. I think that that's odd, but I didn't find that to be necessarily scary. I guess, from his perspective, it was kind of freaky. So, Stella wants to, I guess, continue to flirt with Ramon. Mm -hmm. So she invites him to this haunted house. Yes. Yes. Like, hey, you want to see something haunted? Because it's not going to go wrong. Never. (laughs) 
this is where the age thing came up for me too because Ramon is very obviously 17, 18, and that's where I was wondering, how old are these kids? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, I got real uncomfortable whenever um, Stella slides into the car, and she's very obviously supposed to be, like we said earlier, like, I'm thinking 16, and she slides into the car. He seems like he's supposed to be 18, maybe even 19, old enough to at least be in the draft, which is 18 as far as I understand. And at first, he's not concerned. He's like, hey, what's going on? And, like, it's not weird to him. But then when two other kids do the exact same thing, then he's like, wait, what the fuck? And I was like, this is creepy as shit. Like, an underage girl, seemingly, to me, slides into his car, and he's just like, hey, what's up? (laughs) No big deal. And then two other kids slide, and he's like, what? They find the creepy hidden passage basement. Yes. Which is super fucking cool. Just, I want to point that out. Also, I feel like that house has been in other movies. Does anybody recognize it? It's probably Mike Flanagan's house. (laughs) (laughs) He carries around in a giant trailer everywhere he goes. Yes. Did you see the mirror? (laughs) Uh, You know what? I'm surprised I didn't think to look for that thing. (laughs) It kind of looked like the house from It, and I feel like it looked like a house from another movie too, but I just don't know which one. I mean, it looks like the house from maybe any horror movie. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. I recognize it. Specifically. They start scoping around in there, and that's where they first tell us all the stories about Sarah. Sarah Bellows, the poor hidden daughter of the Bellows family who owned the paper mill. Somehow required large amounts of mercury to manufacture paper. Is that a thing? I didn't look that up. That's, I don't know. It might have been. I mean, back I in the no day. Idea. I mean, they put lead in everything just because it was widely available. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was the 80s. It was a different time. Asbestos. <laughs> uh, I actually had a problem with that scene. I'm kind of tired of the kids finding a secret passage that literally hundreds of people have been in that house. They said that there were so many trespassers, they actually had to board it up pretty successfully in order to stop kids from going into it. But yet they go in and they're in there for less than five minutes and, oh, look, a secret passage and no one else is found. Um, but more so, before that, actually reminded me of another thought I had written down, but I don't actually bother looking at my notes because notes are for losers, apparently. Yeah, on your note page, I see just the word notes. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if anyone here listening or anyone here in this room has ever tried to pick a lock before, but no, no fucking way can you pick a lock with a switchblade okay no well and it was the thing that frustrated me about that was that like she watched him do it one time and then was like i got this and then (laughs) she did it super easily and i was like no and she he uses a pen the first time and she uses a switchblade i'm sorry my mistake yeah he uses a pen which also doesn't work and does it super fast. And then she uses a switchblade, which also doesn't work and does it super fast. It was like the metal clippy thing from a pen. Even still, I don't... Okay, fine. That's a little bit more reasonable. I guess I missed that part. Um, because was, he broke the pen. It was a really quick scene. Uh, but sure, that's a little bit more reasonable. That, that thin metal could probably be used as a pick. But I still think you need you need a pick, and then you, you also need the hammer so you can uh, drag it across the tumblers. So you at least need two, typically. But still, the point is that you absolutely cannot pick a lock with a switch. That's bullshit. Especially if you've never done it before. Sorry, that kind of shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more complicated than that. Also, the whole Chuck asking him if he has a switchblade thing, I'm not sure if it was because he was like an older kid kind of off by himself, or if it was because he was Hispanic and it was a kind of a racist thing that he assumed that he had a switchblade. But then, of course, he did have a switchblade. And I was like, okay, this is just annoying and stupid unnecessary foreshadowing i think it's just because he was an older kid okay i wasn't sure what the 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 hint was there whenever he was 
being really persistent about it, but it was super annoying. He was also wearing a leather jacket, so it's highly possible that... He thought he was some sort of greaser and... Something like yeah. that, yeah. But, I mean, even if it was a racist assumption, uh, this town has proven not to be above racism. No, not at all. And fucking Tommy and then the racist-ass cop and... Yeah. So in the basement, they find the Tome of Scary Stories that was written by Sarah Bellows. Then Tommy locks them all in the fucking basement, including Ruth, who came with him and tried to talk him out of all this bullshit. Who <laughs> he kicked down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. He's such a fucking creep. He's a fucking asshole. Like, just such a creep. Then Stella, being the goddamn dumbass that she fucking is, summons a fucking ghost <laughs> while they're locked in a fucking basement. Yeah. It's on the list of top ten things you don't do in a haunted house. You don't do ever, but especially not in a haunted house. <laughs> <laughs> but she did. So the spooky shadow fingers opened the door because yeah. apparently Sarah couldn't just kill them all when they were locked in the basement in one place easily. She had to let them out so that they could each go their separate ways. Well, she had to read them first. Oh, right. That was that was the most ridiculous thing that if you've ever seen Mystery Men, I don't remember the character's name, but they all go to train with him. And basically what he does is literally just turn phrases around on people where he'll say, like, you have to control your anger or your anger will control you. As soon as she said, you don't read the book, the book reads you. That's all I thought. <laughs> I am showing Victor my notes because I wrote the exact same thing. The movie was cruising along pretty good, and when she said that, I was like, fuck that. Bad writing. That is lazy-ass writing. Like, Bad it's writing. the most derivative thing. The most derivative thing. <laughs> Oh, but she's being so one. emotional about it and so serious. She's like, you don't read the book. The book reads you. And I'm like, mm, I might stop watching this now, but I can't. And in my opinion, one one small change to that, you don't read the book, she reads you, would have been a little bit more fun. Because, I mean, it's, that's what she's doing. She's writing this story about you. But it's not about the book. Oh, and then Stella fucking invites a random teenage boy that she literally just met like three hours ago to sleep in her fucking basement. <laughs> yeah. Who has no. A, has at least one knife with him. Yes, he, no. he is armed, as we know. While her dad is not home. He's her dad's up home. An extra shift. Oh, her dad was home at that point. He was sleeping. Oh, uh, okay, okay. And because I think she went in and like tucked him in mm -hmm. while Ramon was letting himself into her room and reading her stories that she had written. Yes. And that, I think, is when... Was it that night or was it the... Yeah, it was that night the writing started to appear about Tommy. And yes. then the next day he's missing. Bum, bum, bum! Did the stuff in the book come true? It did. <laughs> it Spoiler. did. <laughs> it 100% did. So because before we find out he went missing the next morning, we see him... Uh, I don't know. I was going to say brutally murdered, but I don't think that's the case. We see him... Um, transform, transmogrified into a uh, scarecrow, I guess, which doesn't fit the story at all. I will say, to Tommy, after all this crap at the haunted house, and as the book is writing the story about him, or I guess it's actually Sarah, writing on the book, uh, in the book, I meant, Tommy goes back to his family's farm, and his mother's like, ah, oh, you're a little punk, take these eggs over to the neighbor. You're drunk again. Yeah. So he's walking these eggs over to her neighbor's house. That's, you know, it was the 80s, I guess. But... Right. It was 1968, actually. Ooh, that's a lot. Ooh, it was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Because they talked about the commies and Vietnam and all of the that commies. shit. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they said did. that at one point. They did. <laughs> they did say the that is what they said back then. And, yeah, Richard Nixon was in the office and all that. And so, yeah, it does make more sense. Anyway, he's walking through the cornfield trying to deliver these eggs. And he walks past Harold. I wrote at that point, Tommy gonna get got. <laughs> yeah. He done been get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he did. He really and he walked past Harold again, and yeah, again, and again. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because then whenever Harold finally starts to move, he's moving in a very slow shuffle, not at any sort of pace where he could have got ahead of Tommy and replanted himself back into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was kind of weird. I didn't really understand the why reality seemed to warp over and over again, and he got stuck in some kind of a loop. But I mean, it was creepy enough, and. Harold, for sure, was super creepy. Like, the weird shuffly thing he did and, like, the squeak you could hear from him. It like, was a bit cliche. I, but I it never stopped being scary. No. Yeah. His, his arm just first, you know, cracks open and moves. and Yeah. Oh, yeah. And him just not being there. Like, the whole yeah. thing is kind of cliche. But, really, we're watching horror movies. So, at this <laughs> point, what do we expect? They're going to be full of tropes and cliches. I really, I did really enjoy his creepy shuffle. That was probably one of my favorite yeah. parts about Harold was his creepy-ass shuffle. <laughs> my favorite part about Harold and Tommy's relationship was Tommy picked up a pitchfork and tried to impale basically a wooden frame with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then seemed surprised it didn't work. Yeah. Whenever something walking towards him had a quarter of a torso and he stabbed <laughs> it into the frame. He stabbed it into the only spot that had nothing except a wooden beam. And then was surprised and stood there going, huh? <laughs> and then he Being got... a bull, he's not working on this thing! <laughs> and he got fucking stabbed. He did. And then, yeah, Harold grabs the pitchfork and rams it right through Tommy's midsection. Yeah, for a jock, he's not very fast and doesn't have very good reflexes. He was drunk. <laughs> I guess. It brings him back down to the same level that all the normal people are supposed to be on. I guess. But what happened to Tommy? He didn't just get impaled by a pitchfork and die. Oh, um, yeah. He 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 turned into a scarecrow. Yeah, is um even though that wasn't exactly part of the movie or part of the story, um, it definitely what's the word I'm looking for? Was horribly terrifying. Watching the straw come out yeah. of his orifices. Yeah. And he's a... trying to pull it out of his mouth and his ears and it was super creepy. Getting all strawed up. Yeah. So Stella. Yes. Risks Ramon's <laughs> fucking safety to satiate her curiosity and drags him over to the farm after he's already had an encounter with the cop who accuses him of killing Tommy after Tommy destroyed his car and wrote racist shit on it. Yeah. All those things. Yes, all those things are true. I got so annoyed. I got annoyed that she made him come along for one thing and then I got annoyed that he went along with it. You have known this girl for less than 24 fucking hours, and you're about to get arrested for her. What is happening? It must be love. Oh, I got the impression she didn't tell him when they were going. Because, like, when they get there and he sees the cops, he's all like, what the fuck? Oh, no, because she was like, this is, like, Tommy's missing, and this was written in the book, and it has to be about Tommy, so we need to go see. And, like, she dragged uh, him to the farm. That's fair. She did tell him. But then they get there, and she's she looks at him. And says, this has to be Tommy. Like, this, it's, he was wearing that jacket. And, like, there's no way that somebody took their jacket off and put it on the scarecrow. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. And it looks exactly the same. Like, Harold looks exactly the same. Except he has a nice new white t-shirt and the Letterman jacket. Yep. Right. He has those things. Yeah. It's not quite as scary as the supernatural scarecrow. No. No. Who takes the actual skin. Which I think is closer to Harold from the actual scary story. Yes. In the book, you should read it again. Highly recommend it. But in the book, the scarecrow literally comes alive and skins people. So a little bit of a difference there. Yeah. Um, so, literally tends their hides. <laughs> 
that's what made me think that maybe the original Harold was just an earlier scary story that had come true. That's why he looks so fucked up. Because after, presumably, he kills Tommy and Tommy becomes a scarecrow to take his place, he looks exactly the same. I'm guessing eh. just... That is Tommy, I guess, as is what we're supposed to assume. Maybe it's him in, like, a weird triangle situation. Oh. Yeah. He's doomed forever to be killed and turned into the scarecrow. For farting in chocolate milk. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, they go to check it out, and they're like, oh, snap, that's Tommy. Michelle and Alyssa at Madhouse Designs offer a selection of adorable masks, keychains, and tumblers. Their designs are so cute and cover a range of different themes, including The Little Mermaid and Hocus Pocus. The best part? Most of them are customizable. Check out their shop at etsy.com slash shop slash madhouse design store to see what they have to offer. And then... And then we move on to Augie. I was say, Augie gets it next, doesn't he? Yeah. His, and... Okay, so the entire time, Augie's bitching about, like, everything that Chuck's eating, going like, do you know what's in that? Do you know how many chemicals are in there? Do you know how many body parts are in what you're eating? Yeah. And I legitimately believe that it's because his dad spent most of his childhood scaring him with the big toe story. Uh... I legitimately believe that. And, like, you I don't, don't know... You illegitimately believe that? No. Okay. Okay. Nope, I legitimately believe that. All right. Also, <laughs> just <laughs> kind of a heads up, shouldn't watch this movie while pregnant. I almost vomited during the stew scene. <laughs> I generally don't have an issue with, like, kind of gross things in movies, but I almost threw up. I came very, very close. I mean, I don't feel bad for Augie because in the movie he's kind of a little bitch, but that was a big-ass bite. Of stew. Yeah, it was. If you had beef stew and you took a spoonful up, I know he couldn't see the toe, but that was a big fucking toe. You wouldn't put a bite that big in your mouth. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that's an entire uncooked, roughly consistency, of an uncooked potato. Like yeah. a small potato <laughs> you put into his mouth. Yeah. yeah. Like one of those fingerling potatoes. Or toe-link potatoes. Uh... One of those baby corns. Ew. <laughs> I like baby corn. <laughs> but it was bad. It was really bad. It was so gross. And also, were there other body parts in there? Yeah, there was yeah. an eyeball and some other stuff. Which wasn't part of the original story. It was not. No, they definitely took some liberties here. Even though, well, I guess I should say that the scene being creepy, at least for Kitty and making her almost vomit, just means that it was effective, I guess. If that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for like that creep out gore, then it was there. I honestly don't know that I would have reacted the same way if I weren't pregnant. <laughs> that's just... Well, never know. But also, I have a weird thing about textures, and you could hear it crunching. And also, like, Stella's screaming at him to not eat the stew, and he fucking does it anyway. Yeah. And did anybody else feel like he kind of looked like baby Zachary Quinto? Meh. I feel like they have kind of similar facial features. Perhaps. But, but at any rate. Yeah. So then we get introduced to the toe lady, and she is fucking terrifying. She is pretty darn scary. Mm. Minus was, one toe, of yes. course. And this was the point in the movie where I went, was this made for kids? Because it's it's a terrifying movie, and I honestly don't know what age group it was meant to like, what the target audience was. Yeah, I don't know. And that's, my rebuttal was, it probably was made for kids, at least it was PG-13, so it had a broader appeal, because a lot of uh, studios are afraid to do R, although it's getting a little better now since Deadpool, but <laughs> if it was made for kids, <laughs> I most... like how we're attributing all that to Deadpool. <laughs> well, which I loved, but... Not necessarily to Deadpool, but that was a big part of it. A lot of studios <laughs> were scared to do R until Deadpool literally broke, well, it was the first movie to break the R, the box office record for the highest grossing R-rated movie. It's the first Marvel movie to be good. that's not true Guardians of the Galaxy yeah anyway (laughs) but I mean really like I said a lot of us grew up with these stories 
a lot of people grew up with these stories. So most of the audience that this movie was targeted at was people who were 30 plus. So in my opinion, the movie was more targeted to us. It probably should have been hard, to be completely honest with you. Because their target audience was us. Yeah, I, I might agree with that. After Augie, then, we move on to Ruth. Hang on a minute. What? What happens to Augie? Oh, I am skipping that. Jeez! Get all over our case okay. about so Augie and, like, and the you... lady showed up. I'm moving on to the next but, one. But you guys gave me shit for, like, dragging everything out last time. And, like... <laughs> you you literally talk up to the most important point of it and then jump ahead. <laughs> You're like, so this thing... And then he pulls the trigger. And the next day... And then this... And then that happened. And then... And, and, anyway. Fine. Augie, what happened in the Big Toe Lady story? Let us find out. I don't remember exactly what happened to the family. I know she's all like, where all is right. my toe? Where is my toe? It groaned. The boy heard footsteps move through the kitchen, into the dining room, into the living room, into the front hall. Then slowly they climbed the stairs. Closer and closer they came. Soon they were in the upstairs hall. Now they were outside his door. Where is my toe? The voice groaned. <gasps> his door opened. Shaking with fear, he listened as the footsteps slowly moved through the dark towards his bed. Then they stopped. Where is my toe? The voice groaned. And then at this point, you're supposed to jump at the person next to you and shout, You've got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not quite what happened to Augie. Not quite. No. But he did do the hiding in his room thing, and you yes. can hear the thing come into the room, and he doesn't see it anywhere. He's hiding under his bed. Yeah. And he looks around, he doesn't see it anywhere. So he very slowly looks up on, on top of his bed, which is the only hiding place there would be, and she's not there either. And then somehow, and this didn't make a lot of sense to me, but it was scary. She's underneath the bed with him and drags him into a black hole in the wall. That, into the fucking abyss. Yeah, it's hell, I guess. I guess Sarah made for them to escape in. That's also, I guess, how she got in the room. Because she opens the door, but we don't ever see her enter. That's true. Uh, I was also slightly disappointed, and again... Giving this movie a lot of shit for not following these stories exactly is a little unfair. <laughs> However, she literally only cried one time, where is my toe? And it sounded creepy. Like, she was, like, terrifying. But that was it. We just heard that one, like, kind of wail of, where's my toe? And then it stopped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she, you know, at the end, she should have yelled, you have it, when she grabbed him. Yeah. And she might have. She says something weird. I think she just, I guess she just screams, doesn't yeah. she? She's yeah. She just, I don't remember hearing face. her say the thing. And she's creepy. Like, she really is. But I just, I feel like... If you're going to base this entire movie off of these stories, maybe try to stick to them a little bit more. Maybe. And then the next day, they oh, Augie's missing crap. This shit's real. And then And that's when Stella. they have that super bad line of, you don't read the book, the book reads you. And Stella's sobbing uncontrollably. <sighs> yeah, because she realized it was her fault. Which it wasn't. In fact, there was one person who this entire movie could have been avoided, whose actions could have avoided everything that happened in this movie. And it was not Stella. It was actually, would you say his name was? The kid you didn't like his voice? Chuck. 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 All Chuck had to do, and this, I had the same problem with uh, La Llorona. All he had to do was come downstairs and fucking tell people what he saw and be like, hey, I was upstairs, and for about two seconds, I was transported back in time. There was a creepy lady and a creepy dog, and then I heard her coming up to the the closet I was hiding in, and she opened the doors. If he could have told her that and been like, this place is really fucking haunted, we need to get the fuck out of here. I think he did say something similar to that. He did. It wasn't until the next day. He uh, literally just said, we gotta get the fuck out of here. That was it. And like, yeah, he's he saying that. Didn't Augie come upstairs and he's like, wait, where's the old lady? Didn't he say something like that? Augie didn't, know. Well, he says that too. Chuck said that too, Augie, yeah. When he opens the door, because he hears her like slowly, like he can hear her wheezing and slowly shuffling up to the door. And then when the door's open, it's Augie, not the old lady, and he's freaking out. 
It's probably him wheezing and acting like an old lady. <laughs> probably. Because he was I don't best. like Augie. <laughs> I mean, no. So, I didn't like Chuck. I thought Augie was fine. <laughs> my point is that this entire movie, all the negative effects, the, the everything that happened in this movie could have been avoided by Chuck being honest with the group. And he but, isn't honest until after they're concerned that their friend was murdered or spirited away by an awful creature. We've talked about this before. So hundreds of these other kids or whoever have been to this house. Yes. We haven't seen the movie about them because they're like, shit, this shit's haunted, we're leaving. Well, some of them died. Some of them disappeared and died. Oh, well. That's why they had to board it up? Is that what they said? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. never mind then. All right. I don't care. So was your point <laughs> that we're seeing the movie about the 1% of the kids who didn't leave when they should have? Right. Oh, okay. Like, Fair if point. we did the practical thing in the movie that would have stopped all the horror from happening, you don't get to see that movie because it's boring. Someone walks into a room and goes, I'm not sticking my head in this blender and walks out of the room. That's a really we get to see the 1% of the people who stick their head in the blender and go, it's a fucking ghost. That's fair. <laughs> I still think that they... You Your should head have, in he the sh- Yes. Okay, sorry. Yeah. It's a big-ass blender. <laughs> Industrial. <laughs> sorry. What were you saying, Vic? Uh, I was saying that uh, I guess he could have still been honest with them and she still could have done it. She would have been like, oh, well, like, you know, you're you're just messing around or you're... You're just trying to scare us, and like it didn't work on Augie, it's not gonna work on us. And then as she's leaving, she still does her shit. But I just didn't understand why he wasn't clear with them. So then after Augie disappears, it's either later that night or the next night. I'm not sure. Oh, it was the next night. It there's was definitely one, the next night. There's one happening each night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because um, they had that conversation in the abandoned lot the next day. Yep. And what was the sister's name? Ruth. Ruthie. Ruth Steinberg. Yes. Ruth is supposed to be in a production of Bye Bye Birdie at the school, and she's sitting there in front of the mirror looking at her face, and her face has the big spider bite on it that was actually mentioned in a previous scene by Chuck making fun of her. And the girl sitting next to her says, like, oh, honey, you need to take care of that. And so she leaves the dressing room to go to the bathroom and for some reason doesn't go to the bathroom on the first floor. She goes to the bathroom on the second floor. (laughs) I don't fucking understand that. Also, why wouldn't you go to the fucking hospital? Yeah, I don't know. If the spider bite is getting that bad on your face, it's time to go to the hospital. Or the dermatologist or a priest. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You don't squeeze a spider bite. You don't do it. You don't fucking do it. And that's what she starts doing almost immediately whenever she gets into the bathroom. They do get there in time to, I guess, save her. Which, what was going to happen to her? I guess she was going to get pulled in the shadows, just like, uh, what's his face, Augie? I don't know. I have no idea. She was getting covered in spiders, like, after the thing burst. (sighs) Yeah. She was getting covered in spiders, and then she cowers in the corner, and Chuck throws dirty mop water on her. (laughs) Because, you know, that's not going to make it get infected. I kind of thought that was going to be, like, when as soon as he ran out and grabbed the mop, I thought it was going to be, like they were going to try to have a moment of levity so that we'd be able to like, ha ha, this isn't as terrible as this scene would lead you to believe. Like, we'd have a moment to laugh at it because she would be like, womp womp, will you throw mop water on me? Like, can you find clean water? But no, he throws it on her and it's straight laced the whole entire time and she's fucking messed up forever. Yeah, and... No, that's not true. He's... <laughs> Presumably. He's trying to be so nice to her, though, and I thought that was really sweet. He was, like, trying to comfort her and even though they have this sibling rivalry thing going on, he was, like, hugging her and, like... I don't think civil rivalry sibling rivalries extend into supernatural hauntings. I think I at guess. a certain point you let it go, especially when hundred minimum spiders burst out of someone's face. I think Sam and Dean's went thousand. into... Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's quite a lot. A Coming lot. out of her face. <laughs> her face hole. And yeah, I, I also didn't understand what her mode of death was supposed to be. Because presumably Augie and Tommy aren't dead. Well, presumably. 
Because we'll I thought he that. just vanished. We'll get to that. We'll get to nothing. I guess she was going to get bit up and have more spiders burst out of her. Maybe. Her whole body was going to burst into spiders. Ew. Again, in the story, it's literally just that. Just spiders burst out of her face, and then it's supposed to be like, whoa, that's so terrifying. And you go to the next so story. gross. That's, that's Ew. it. And so the next day, they go then to the... Um, they get one piece of circumstan- circumstantial evidence from someone. I don't remember who. Oh, they go to see the old lady. Was that, uh, was oh, that the yeah, next yeah. thing? I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. Or, no, 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 no. The next thing was that they went to the, it was like the, the office of vital records or the, the news, the news office. It was the news office. And they started flipping through the records and that's how they came across Lulu because they didn't know about Lulu until oh. they had gone to the, the newsroom. And that's when What's His Face gets the red spot yeah, on so his shirt. We're both wrong and right. No way. That actually happened before. Guys, yeah. Because he oh. gets, he yeah. gets the red spot on his shirt and he's like, oh no, the red spot that's and about that's me. And that's when they find out it was about Ruth. Yes. Shit. Okay. So we we skipped a little bit. Let's chop all this out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the newsroom wasn't wasn't all that important except that's where they found Lulu, and that's where they found out that oh that everybody in the family just fucking disappeared yes. after Sarah died. Yes. Yeah. So. So yeah, okay. I mean, it's seen. You know, if you've seen kids going through old film reels or microfiche, then you've definitely seen... You've stepped into the movie Sinister. Mm -hmm. It actually reminded me a little bit of the scene from The Ring, where she's looking at information on Samara. Oh, yeah. Yes, with the fly. Yes. So then that happens with with Ruth, and then they go to see Lulu. And that's honestly probably one of my favorite scenes, is them talking with Lulu. It's a very overdone scary movie trope with the... Wise old blind lady who also knows about magic and things. And is also crazy. And is also crazy. I mean, that was definitely a Stranger Things thing. And it was a lot of the movie actually felt like Stranger Things to me. Yeah. Let's see here. Yeah, we had the redheaded girl. On the walkie Walkie talkies. -talkies. Yeah. Nerdy kid. The bikes. The bikes. I mean, it was the 60s. (laughs) Monsters. Monsters. Uh, Older kid who takes younger kids under his wing, kind of. Bullies who get their comeuppance. That's kind of generic in general. Yeah. Older sister, but not tough and strong. No. Oh, yeah. Spider infested. Oh, yeah. Nancy could definitely kick Ruthie's ass. Yeah. Nancy, yeah. No question. Yeah. They go in and they see Lulu, and Lulu has that cute little music box that's also kind of terrifying. Music boxes in general are just terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Stella opens it, and she says that she's next, because, like, that song means that she's going to be the next one to die or some <gasps> shit. Which wasn't the case, but... Turned out to not be true. It's in the book. It's a song in the book. Both of the songs are. Well, did you ever oh. wonder as a hearse goes by that you might be the next to die? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, worms crawl in, worms crawl out. Yeah, it's a story, or a song from the book. Yeah. Duh, guys. But also black magic. But not black magic, it's rage, apparently. <laughs> yeah. It's not magic, it's just rage. So apparently, Max, when you get mad enough, you'll be able to summon horrific monsters from the deepest recesses of your imagination to haunt and or murder and or spirit away your enemies. I'm going to keep working on it then. Apparently, I'm not angry enough. It's or, only if you're you're a ghost, though. It doesn't work if you're human. But if you're angry enough and then you die and become an angry ghost, then... Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's what I'm working towards here okay. in my life. So stay angry, because you never know when you're going to die. Yeah. Stay angry. So that's actually... <laughs> the, scene with Lulu, the scene with Lulu is where they find out that Sarah did not die in the house, that she hanged herself in the um, penitentiary. 
Penit- pen- nope, that's not the word. It's no. pentatonics. Bless you. Bless me. I... What's the word that I'm looking for? Penitentiary. Insane nope. asylum. Asylum. The Penhurst Asylum. That's what I was looking for. Labyrinthine Which is actually... I like to say I said that just I, I said it first. Yes. Okay. But that sparked the Penhurst thing, which is something you did not say. I did. The Penhurst Asylum is actually a real thing in Pennsylvania, and that was supposed to take place in Mill Valley, Pennsylvania, which technically isn't a real place. Technically no. Technically. Technically, um, there is a Mill Valley Park just outside of Philadelphia, and there is an old mill road nearby there. I did a little Google mapping on the situation because I wanted to know how close we were to all this boo shit. Boo shit or bullshit? Boo shit. Boo shit. Boo shit. Boo shit. Um, like ghost poop. <laughs> so, it's not ghost poop. We, boo shit. <laughs> so... Yes. Anyway, so she was at the Penhurst Asylum, which is no longer in business. business. It's no longer functioning. They do do ghost tours, though. I said do do. I want to stress tours. again professionalism. Yes. That is what you come here for. <laughs> so they go to the asylum, which was still functioning at that point. And they ask for records, they get turned down, they sneak in, all of that nonsense. And they find Sarabella's records while Chuck is running away from the security guards. I want to add, I thought that was actually kind of a cool twist, because he keeps telling them that he's having horrific dreams, terrible dreams about the Red Room and how this old, creepy, nondescript woman keeps telling him, beware the Red Room, beware the Red Room. Something terrible is going to happen in the Red Room. The Red Room is dangerous. And then they say they're going to go to the Red Room, R-E-D. It's records, education, and something or other. Like, I don't remember. They made that up. Admit it! I, I made up the education part. I don't okay. remember what the E is for. <laughs> but it's literally R-E-D, and I cannot remember what it stands for because it was arbitrary and stupid. And they're like, oh, Red Room. He's like, no, guys, no. And runs away. Like, I kind of thought that was a fun twist. I knew what was going to happen, but still. like, yeah. I, I, was, I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like, you know... Maybe that's what it was, the Red Room. Ramon and Stella are in the actual R.E.D. room, Mm -hmm. looking through old records, and they find out a whole bunch of shit about Sarah that she denied for a long time, that she was the one that had anything to do with the deaths of the children, which we find out later that that's true, and that she had acromasia albinism. So she had, she was an albino. So that was part of the reason why nobody ever fucking saw her because she basically couldn't go in the sunlight. And she lacked all this pigment in her skin and that was one reason why they kept her in the basement and they didn't really want anybody to know about her. Then you hear her creepy voice. Well, you hear her regular voice over, okay. (laughs) They have that, what's the thing called? I am looking that up right now. It plays the wax cylinders. You can record and you can listen. It's not a phonograph. No. I'm looking, right now I'm looking it up. Okay. So they have this this wax cylinder that has a recording on it of Sarah's voice and the doctor's voice. And from what I understand, was one of the doctors her brother? Yes. Okay, I thought so. And on this thing, you hear their voices. Did anybody else feel like the doctor on the tape sounded like the radio DJ? Oh, it's called a cylinder phonograph. Okay. (laughs) So it is a phonograph, just cylinder style instead of record style, I guess. Sure. Um, so, did anybody else feel like the, the voice of the doctor on the cylinder sounded like the voice of the radio DJ? Not particularly. It didn't really strike me that way. Uh, yeah, I can't say it hit me like that. Also, I believe his name was Ephraim. Ephraim Bellows. Maybe. Her brother. And he's the one doing the question? Yes. He was a, yeah. 
So basically, the doctor. she tries to tell everyone that, and has been trying for a while to tell everyone that she didn't hurt anyone. It's actually their family's paper mill that's causing the mercury in the water that's poisoning the children. But her family, I guess, gets it in their head, or maybe it's the town that decides to blame them and they push the blame off to her. That's not super clear. Somebody decides that they're going to blame poor little Sarah for these children's deaths and say that she's actually actively poisoning them instead of admitting that their paper plant is producing toxic by byproducts that's getting into the town water supply poisoning people. <laughs> Mercury, to be specific. Yes. To be specific. So apparently this is their idea. This is their save for it, is that they're going to blame their daughter, and then they're going to keep her hidden away. And Or I guess they were keeping her hidden away and decided to blame their daughter just because it was convenient. And then treat her like shit and torture her to eventually, I guess, in the attempts to get her to admit to it. And as we're listening to this old phonograph recording, cylinder phonograph recording, we hear her break reality again, which was actually pretty creepy, where all of a sudden her whimpering voice after being tortured changes and she said that she's going to tell him what he wants to hear and he says okay and then she tells the story about chucky yes about how he's been having terrible dreams about the red room and that's when was that being written in the book did they have the book with them at that point i don't know if they even look at it to be honest with you i think they just run after him. i think we're just supposed mm. to assume it's being written okay yeah it's saying here there was uh, issues with the dryden ontario paper mill huh dumping mercury in the local water so apparently that's but that's a thing. Be a legitimate thing. I also, just really quick, I have my copy of Scary Stories to Tell Dark sitting here in front of me. And I was just looking, and it's actually one of the ones that came out in 1991. That's the copyright date on it. Ooh. It was $3.50 <laughs> <laughs> whenever it was published. Couldn't even buy a soda for that price now. Seriously. Ugh. Anyway. So, and off. also, about the ledger, not the ledger, the book. Yeah. That is getting the red blood written in it. Mm-hmm. To make the stories happen. It was a weird looking book. Yeah. It was more like a business ledger. Yeah. It had graph paper in it. Yeah. Like, it looked like an accounting ledger where you write your shit in and whatever. Or yeah. something that somebody would be drawing, like, blueprints and shit on. Nah, I like mine better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of many occurrences in this movie that make me feel like this was originally intended to be a two-part movie, or at least intended to be longer, and they had to cut a lot of things out. Like... The dad and the daughter's relationship feels like it's kind of forced. It's, there's a little bit there, and they're really the only one that gets any kind of character arc, besides Ramon a little bit. But their relationship is kind of forced and super fast. Like, we only get a little bit of, of build-up to it, and then we get that phone call, which we'll get into later. Yeah. But, like, there are a few things in this movie that I felt were just kind of cut for time's sake, and that's fine. But don't include any part of what you're going to cut out if you're not going to include enough of it to make sense. Like, yeah. the book not being... Like, it did kind of seem like something maybe she grabbed from a records room or something, and we're just supposed to assume that that's fine. Maybe we're just being stupid movie. Viewers. I mean, if we're going by that rule, though, only cut stuff that will still allow the movie to make sense. Yeah. We could have had Frodo get the ring, Gandalf <laughs> tell him it needs destroyed, and then cut to the end of the movie of him throwing it into the fire. Or, well, Gollum falling. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you haven't read or seen Lord of the Rings yet, Gollum dies in the end and he takes the ring with him. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> And also Frodo's finger. Yeah. So we could chop that down to seven minutes. I mean, to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> and then we need the 45 minutes for the three ending. Uh, yes. That's when they get arrested. Well, okay, hold on. We have to talk about Chuck. Yeah, and, and holy crap, fucking... let's skip over another Jesus. horror-filled death. The fucking pale lady. <laughs> she, okay... Out of everything, that was the most uh, Guillermo del Toro creature in the movie. She 100%. definitely was, yes. 100%. And she was a perfect rendition of the book version yes. of The Pale Lady. It was very good. They did a fantastic job with her. The whole thing, I, the red, and I understand that it needed to be red because the red room, but da 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 But my eyes, after about 10 seconds of that, were like, okay, I'm done. 
I just, <laughs> and I basically like just didn't watch until she was close enough that it was actually a threat. But it was so creepy how she was boxing him in. Mm. And then, of course, he, she like goes in and hugs him. And I actually don't remember the story of the pale lady. I had all three of the books, but I, I now only have my copy of the first book. Mm. So I don't remember much about uh, the pale lady. I skimmed it yesterday. And if memory serves me, which it doesn't, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, mm -hmm. but the pale lady was warning this young woman to stay away from a certain room or something, or to not go on vacation somewhere or whatever. And so she's like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to go to this place. I'm going to go to a different one. Mm -hmm. And she ends up there and like the nice landlady's like, well, come on up and take a look at the room. And you know, this, the pale lady in her dreams was telling her not to go to this place. And she goes up to look at the room and it looks exactly like the room from her dreams with the pale lady. And she looks at the landlady, and she's not the landlady anymore. She's the pale lady. And okay. I think it ends with her picking up her bags and getting the hell out. Right. I don't remember that story. I'm sure I probably read it. And like I said, there, there are certain stories that really stick out to me, and one in particular. But I don't remember that story particularly. Yeah. So he, she then gives Chuck a big old hug and absorbs him into her. Her hug. And... With her kindly face. Mm -hmm. All like whispering, creepy, squeaky, sweet nothings. Yeah. <laughs> she's getting closer to him. Really weird. Did it seem like it felt like after she absorbed him, it was like a good numbers for her? Like she was like, mm. did kind of, it yeah. It kind of, yeah. <laughs> like she rubbed her tongue. She had just eaten a good meal. Mm -hmm. Rubbed her tongue tongue. <laughs> and then Ramon and Stella come upon the spot where he had just fucking disappeared from. Saying yeah. something like, he should be right here. <laughs> As though they're tracking him. His GPS. Yeah. <laughs> he should be right here. This is where the signal cuts out. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that was such a weird line. Yeah. And they find his pen that. Ramon previously broke, and I thought they left on the doorstep of the haunted house, but I guess he picked it back up. Really because it was the it was the one with the, the stripper, and you, like, turned it upside down, and it made her skirt lift up because it had liquid in it or something. Oh. <laughs> so were a big thing. They were a big thing. <laughs> Even when we were kids, those were a big thing. I don't know if those Not were the stripper a big part, thing but... <laughs> in, the, in the late 60s, yeah, though. That seems like... I don't know. But... Seems like weird technology that the 60s would have come out with. Well, I'll have to ask somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> then they get arrested, right? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm And they end up at the jail. Yeah. And that's where we have the one phone call that Stella makes to her dad, which is super heartfelt and sweet. It is heartfelt and sweet, but it's so out of place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, there wasn't enough backstory for that relationship for me to be like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we didn't have... We had one other scene with the two of them, as far as I remember, and it's literally just her... Is she tucking him in, or...? There were three. Oh, that's right. There was the one where she comes in and gives him a microwave dinner, and he asks her if she's going out for Halloween, and she says, right. no, not tonight. And he kind of looks real sad that she's not going out with her friends. Right. Then there's the one where they get back that night, and she tucks him in while Ramon's in the basement. And then there's one after Tommy disappears, and he's getting ready to go in for his shift at work, and he asks her to not come home late from school because for the next few days because he want to make sh he wants to make sure that she's okay. Right. So they do a little bit of building there and but then nothing for that kind of payoff. But they also do some other building where she kind of blames herself for her mother's leaving, so that's why she feels this duty towards her dad and all of these things, and that's why they have that conversation. We could have cut all that out of the movie. It's unnecessary. It is, but it would But then it wouldn't have given Dean Norris enough screen time and I love Dean Norris, so yeah. I, I don't know. I liked it. I thought that it was sweet, and it did feel a little bit out of place, but at the same time, I I appreciated where they were going with it, I guess. Ramon, That's, 
Also, where we find that Ramon's a draft dodger. Yeah, he does not get a phone call, apparently. No, because he's a draft dodger. Is that how that works? That's you're what a draft the cop dodger? said. Oh. <laughs> the cop was like, rules don't apply to draft dodgers or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he did literally right. say that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was decided at the Geneva Convention. <laughs> then he tells his heart-wrenching story about his brother being sent home in pieces from Vietnam. And <laughs> that's where the cop finally realizes that there's actually some shit going down. Because mm, the book's starting to write again. And that's where we see the jangling. <sighs> okay, admittedly, it took away some of the horror in the movie when he showed up. But he was still pretty damn scary. He was. Like, it wasn't like a creeping horror. It was like a real and present but it was still scary. And at any rate, <laughs> so it starts off with the dog standing at the chimney, mm-hmm. and the dog. Oh, by the way, Stella at this point is locked up in the jail cell next to uh, Ramon, Ramon. Mm-hmm. And because she's hands. like, "I don't want to go home," and he's like, "Well, you can stay in the jail with him then." And then, presumably, we we're led to believe that the sheriff—he's a sheriff, right? He, uh, he's just an officer. He might the, be the chief, right? The chief mayor, the police guy. Police. Yes. Uh, <laughs> He looks at the book, and presumably he's seeing it being written in front of his fucking face, and then is his like... His fucking face. His fucking face. Not his, his sitting face, his no. fucking face. His actively <laughs> watching fucking face. As he's seeing these letters being written in front of him, and does the same thing that I think two other people have done at this point, and wipes the blood away, and is like, oh, that's weird. It's, uh, <laughs> it's wet ink. Really, really red ink. And then closes the book and goes over to Stella, and is like... Who's writing all this terrible stuff? Is it you? Like, yeah. Is there something wrong with you? Like, you're such a sweet kid. <laughs> and then that's when he asks, like, she's like, what's the next story in the book? Why would you not start with, what the fuck is going on with this book? Letters are being written in front of my face. This yeah. isn't real. What's going on? Like, why and would you literally told that? him everything that's happened? Yeah. And he sees it starting to happen. <sighs> This episode of Hounds of Horror was brought to you by Bumblebee Decor. Bumblebee Decor is an Etsy shop that provides many different customizable items, ranging from drink koozies to Christmas ornaments. Jordan also has an adorable line of Harry Potter makeup brush holders. Just go to etsy.com slash bumblebeedecor. That's etsy.com slash bumble, the letter B, decor, and buy one for the Harry Potter fan in your life today. And he does he this over, dumb cop thing in a horror movie. He hears Killer, right? That's the dog's name. Bullet. Over, bullet. Ah. I knew it was something generic and cop-like. Was so, it actually? Whoa, huge slam on cops, yes. So he goes over, Bullet is standing in front of the chimney, and which, why they have a chimney in the fucking police station. <laughs> no, right? And it might have been Resident Evil. <laughs> you hear the, the beginnings of the me, Ty, Dory, Walker coming down the, the chimney, and the dog is supposed to be responding with Lynchy Kinchy, Collie Molly, Dingo, Dingo. The dog is not responding with that. The dog is responding with me, Ty Doty Walker. I just want to point that out. I don't think the dog was saying anything. He was just kind of woofing. I like, think he was it was, like, it was in a pattern. Well, it was in it, cadence. But it wasn't It wasn't in the lynchy, kinchy, collie, molly, dingo, dingo cadence, though, is what I'm saying. Like, it was. that's too many syllables for how the dog was responding. The molly, collie, winky, dinky, what was it? Lynchy, kinchy. submarine. <laughs> Lynchy, kinchy, collie, molly, dingo, dingo is the is supposed to be the response. And then the dog runs away, but in the book, the dog dies, which they didn't kill the dog this time, you there guys. You there it is. <laughs> I 
you ever seen a dog die of fright? Uh, no. I mean, I haven't seen many dogs die, period, but I feel like dogs don't die of fright. No, but I mean, I might if I were a dog and that came out of the chimney. But So you would die of fright if you were a dog? Yes, but if no. that came out of the chimney. Okay. Um, yeah, so the dog is going... And finally the head drops out of the chimney. And the cop says my favorite line in the whole fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, he says, yes. you gotta be shitting me. And then he shoots the head. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the smartest thing he said the yeah. whole movie. That's the only... Are you shitting me? The only reasonable response by any, any character in this movie is, are you shitting me? And then pulls out his... Revolver and empties it into the head. Because the head rolls out of the chimney and goes, Me, Ty Doughty Walker! Are you shitting me? Oh, and that's Ramon's story. But then he does something I hate. He's got a revolver, right? It's his service revolver. He has to know how many rounds are in it. Right. And he fires six, I believe. And then after, he's like, click, 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 click. Like, people fucking forget how many rounds there are in there. I mean, I might not be counting if I were panicking. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but but that he is was in a high stress environment there. I mean, no argument about that. But so Ramon's name was the one in the book, and that was his story. It was a story that was told to him whenever he was young. And as so, you pointed out, it, or was it one of Max? I think you pointed it let's out. Let's find out. That it Tell was, us what it was. It was a combination of two stories. Yes, that was me. I take all credit for it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was a combination of, no, I don't remember the names, but it was, uh, well, Me Tai Doty Walker was the one. Yes. And that's the one where just the head rolls out of the chimney and scares the dog to death and the kid goes insane. And then, yeah, that, that one. Ugh. What oh, do I you, hate that picture. What do you come for? Yes. And the, in What Do You Come For, there's an old lady who wishes she had some company on this lonely night and body parts fall out of the fucking chimney and assemble themselves and start dancing around the fucking room. Faster and faster he went. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just... If you walked into a house and saw that, I would shit my pants. Also, what's with the weird hair? Is that blood? I think it's blood. I don't, okay. All right, and here brings me to another point personally. In my previous careers, we'll say, <laughs> I've spent a lot of time around chimneys. Uh, specifically today. Specifically today. And I'm telling you, I have not seen one that would be big enough to admit body parts. There isn't. I haven't seen one that was big enough for even a head to roll through. Well, he was... Is it like Evil Santa? And he could just squeeze himself in wherever? He was doing that through the bars of the jail cell. He was, like, crushing his face and, like, his body through there. That's true. Also... I'm telling you, though, even if you don't have magic, you're not getting through the fucking chimney, okay? Yeah. No, but clearly she did have magic. Sarah made the toe soup lady appear in a black hole on the other side of the room, so... Mm -hmm. That's true. Clearly you wear the fuck she wants. She also made the soup appear in the fucking fridge. (laughs) Because uh, Augie was talking to his mom on the phone and... Somebody made it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that bullshit. Anyway, yeah. so you were going to say something about the jail cell scene whenever the... Do you remember what it was? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that uh, I was wondering if... We hear Ramon say that it was a campfire story that he was told when he was a kid, and it scared it scared him forever. I guess it stuck with him. But oddly <laughs> enough... <laughs> I wonder how his brother being sent home in pieces affected that fear. Yeah. <laughs> What are the odds? <laughs> Max and I just accidentally touched hands behind Vic's head. For those of you at home, we sit on a couch. <laughs> it's gonna happen. The whole night, I haven't reached my arm up, but just at this moment, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put my arm behind Vic here and just. 
Oh my god. Uh, okay. I think really was just the draft dodger thing where, or not the draft dodger, the where I thought it was. Oh, fuck him up about his brother being sent home in a box. Oh, well, like, yeah, his and... his whole fear when he was a kid hearing that story about Mitai Doty Walker. Uh, and the jangling man. And then it's specifically a story about body parts coming together to form a creepy, fucking awful horror. And he also has to deal with his brother being sent home in pieces later Did on. Did Ramon see the pieces of his brother? I don't know. I don't know. But knew I don't think they did that. Like, if you came home in pieces... Do you need to see him to be creeped out by I, I don't think... Unless he was the only one, like... Hey, stop. To I identify him or something, but I can't see why they would allow him to see that. No, but I mean, all he had to, he just had to be told they're being sent home, oh, like your brother's mm-hmm. being sent home in pieces, like you're... Why would they tell him that? How did he know? <laughs> right. So, I'm going by what I was told by the movie. Okay. <laughs> the internal fiction of the movie, as they call it. So, the jangler, the jangly man, Oof. the jangly man starts putting uh... his pieces together, mm-hmm. and the cop just stands there... He has no idea what to do, and the jangling man jumps up and breaks his neck. Yes. And then and flings then... him across the floor, right into the cages, where, or not cages, the cells, I guess. And convenient cop's body is convenient. Mm-hmm. Quick point about him immediately jumping up and snapping his neck with no ceremony. Just immediately breaks his neck. Just want to point that out for a second. That'll be important later. Okay. That is? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see why. Okay. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. Yeah, Stella gets the keys, the jangly man's breaking into Ramon, like, breaking himself, like, his literal body breaking it to get into Ramon's cell, and yes. calling him a coward, mm-hmm. because he dodged the draft. And he's saying it's such a cool, creepy voice. Coward! Yeah. Coward! Yeah. And didn't you say, was it you, Max, that said that the, the guy that plays the jangly man is actually a contortionist? Um, I don't believe I did say that, but I would have said that. Okay. If I had thought of it, because he was. Now, there was a lot of parts of the Jangly Man that were computer animated. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. there was a lot of parts that weren't, too. And this, I, I should have looked up the guy's name. I'll try to get it before this podcast is over. But he can, like, twist himself around in weird, fucked up ways. Yeah. And it's not the first time movies have done that. Like, in The Conjuring 2, the Crooked Man, mm-hmm. that was played by a real man who, he has some sort of disease. And he's he's just long, lanky, his limbs bend at odd angles, and, yeah. You know, it's really cool that people use that <laughs> right. to add the creep to their movies. And yeah, like people's actual abilities and or disabilities, I guess. Or like in the Extra, thing. Extra, yeah. When the doctor gets his arms bitten off, that was an amputee. That's funny. They dressed cool. up to look like the doctor with a mask and everything. And so when his arms got bit off, he was like, oh no, my arms! And yeah. Instead of yeah. animating it off. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then... Um, so they, they get out, Ramon steals the cop car, Stella runs back to the house. And yes. long story short, I think we can skip some stuff in there. They end up back at, at the house, both of them. Yes. But they end up in different time. dimensions, basically. Yeah. Stella years. ends up in the past, I guess. Yeah. What, 60, As 60 Sarah. years ago? She ends up, she sees herself in a mirror and she is Sarah. Right. She's being hunted basically by her family because she was starting to tell people about the mercury in the water. So this was before she got sent to the asylum. And in the meantime, Ramon is being chased by the jangly man. Those are some of the scariest scenes in the movie to be honest with you. Him hiding or attempting to? Yes. Yeah. It, that and reminded me of the Demogorgon from yeah. some of the Demogorgon hunting scenes from Stranger Things. Yeah. And if we can backtrack a little, one of the things that irritated me about the movie was 
they had they threw a cheap scare in. Ramon, the jangly man, jumps on top of the cop car and is trying to get in there at him. And he slams on the brakes, and the thing like falls on the hood, like right on the grill on the front, and is trying to get its grip to get up there and get him. And he guns it, and he smashes the cop car into a semi truck. Mm-hmm. Yes. And pins the jangly man against between the two cars. Yes. And he runs. He he runs towards a haunted house, and the jangly man's like ah, and he dissolves himself back into pieces to get out from behind the cop car. And a few seconds go by with nothing going on, and all of a sudden the jangly man, bah, right in front of the screen, and I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah. That was, I feel like, more or less the only cheap scare that the whole movie had, though. I would agree. That's just about the only one. So, yeah. And so they're, they're both navigating through the house in the same rooms, though. They both ended up in the More old woman's less, yeah. room. They both ended up under the table. Ramon finds her glasses. Yes. And presumably he just assumes that he can have some kind of a link with her. And he comes up with the brilliant idea of trying to reason with Sarah, which none of them have thought about up until this point, to maybe try to sympathize with this poor girl who's been tortured and locked away and made to be crazy and made to be the scapegoat for this horrific family. Yeah. And he decides, you know what, maybe we should show a little compassion to her. And it works. Well, he told her to tell her the truth. To tell the truth. You're right. Tell her the truth. And, which actually was a pretty good part of the movie because I feel that way. Like, these ghosts, these people die and become a vindictive ghost Mm -hmm. and start victimizing everybody because of the horrible things that happen to them. And that's not fair. No. Who wants to become the thing that you hate it, which yeah. they say happens. There is a saying like that. You become that which you hate, but... Well, and there is a whole trauma cycle and stuff, too, which I guess extends into the afterlife in these movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and it's a thing with bullies, too. Usually a figure at home or somebody's not treating them well and they right. take it out on other blood. people. Yeah. Right. And that was my point earlier with saying about bullies and how they themselves are usually bullied. But at this point in the movie, I believe because he talked out loud, he's Ramon is still trying to sneak, and then... We get that fun scene where little bits of debris are falling on him and he looks up and of course the jangly man is creepily crawling just above him, keeping the same pace as him. Mm -hmm. And then picks him up. And this is where my point comes back around again. Does not unceremoniously just snap his neck even though he has this quarry that he's been chasing for Ah. a fucking long. He starts to strangle him for a like a long time, like a good three or four minutes, long enough for uh, Stella to make her plea to Sarah and for it to actually work. And then he gets dissolved. But instead of just snapping his neck the way that he did with the cop that was in his way, he apparently wants to just drag it out a little bit with his quarry. I would argue to say... Quarry? Quarry. Yeah. I I would say, though, that there's a possibility that because the cop wasn't the jangly man's target, he didn't give a shit about how he died. Perhaps. I mean, I feel like Ramon was about as terrified as he was going to be. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I would be, probably. I think at that point you've reached your threshold. I would have peed myself. (laughs) But I pee myself when I cough too hard. (laughs) Or when you laugh. Yeah. Or when Seinfeld comes on TV. (laughs) When Vic gets home from work. (laughs) On the bus. (laughs) Anyway. um, So... So Stella makes her plea to Sarah, and it works. Mm-hmm. And she lets go of everything, and because Stella is telling the story. Oh, and uh, an important part is that Stella had to write the story in her blood, and that's how we find out. That's how Sarah was writing the stories, was in her blood. Ew. How'd she get the magic evil pen? I don't know. Was it something that Lulu gave her because she wanted to let her 
use her not black magic rage? I think that she, it was a regular pen, just she started using her blood and the blood was what was causing it. By regular pen, you mean like 18th century quill? A fountain pen. Oh, Um, much more fancy than that. Well, fountain pens are fancy. I thought they're the ones that you Did it have a feather on it? No. Okay. They're the ones that you dip in the ink, the fountain pens are. Well, yeah, you dip it in and then you suck the ink up in it. Yeah. Like in Indiana Jones, when he takes his pen out and squirts the Nazi in the eye and ink. Ah, yes. I apparently am an uncultured swan. (laughs) I would agree. (laughs) The only reason why I know what it is is because my brother used to do calligraphy and he used one. (laughs) But (laughs) she gives her the pen, she tells her to do the thing in the blood, she dissolves. I thought that Sarah was going to be the lady with the ribbon around her neck. From the book? Yes. Ah. Because she did have a, a fancy thing around her neck. A cravat. Maybe that was just a, you know, a fun, what do they call it, Easter egg for us who know the stories. Maybe, maybe. For those of us in the know, you know? There's a lot of stories <laughs> that they didn't touch on. Um, uh, yeah, many. So that was basically the end of the story, but they did set it up for a second movie. Oh, because they're going after, they're trying to go after Augie and... Chuck, and figure out if there's a way to get them back. I mean, couldn't she presumably just write in the story, and then the old or the pale lady and the wood, like the wailing tow woman, brought them back, and that would be the end of those stories? Uh, maybe. But see, that's why I'm saying I don't think Ruth was insane forever because she wasn't. She was in the back of the car. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stella's like, and we're gonna go find him, and she looks back there, and there's Ruth, and she's like, I like pizza. Yeah. And <laughs> she gives a weak smile that any insane person could give. She doesn't say anything or do anything to lead any of us to believe that she's not insane. She smiles. That's it. And somehow, where is Dean Norris, or, well, Roy Nichols, her, Stella's dad, where is he taking them? To go find Chuck and Augie. <laughs> I don't go, fucking know. Hey, Dad, listen. The two friends that I have that are missing were kidnapped by ghosts. You have to drive us somewhere. He apparently believed her. Apparently, <laughs> after that call, he probably would have believed anything she said and done anything she wanted. Yeah, they're off to find Chuck and Augie, and maybe we will get a second movie with additional stories in it, because maybe. they left out, I mean, more than a dozen stories from Easily. the three books. Maybe even 13. <laughs> maybe, um, might have been two dozen, We honestly. also There's left so out the stories. fact that Ramon decides to go to Vietnam willingly, although I don't know. Do you just get sent? Is the punishment for dodging the draft to be sent to Vietnam just being sent to Vietnam? Is it the punishment? <laughs> I mean... I don't know. You might face sanctions whenever you get back. I don't know how that works. Okay. I, yeah, I really don't know. That was obviously way before my time. I'll be. Okay. I'll call my guy on Congress and see what he has to say about it. Yeah. So wrapping up here, are we doing our, like, least, most scary and then yes. rating? Okay. So... Uh, let's, what are we doing? Right to left, left to right, what are we doing? I think I'll go first this time. So, my favorite part about the movie, I think, would have to be the monsters. Pick one. Come on. No, like all of them. (laughs) They, they were all done really well. They, the... The, the effects, the makeup, all of that stuff was so good in the movie, and I just really appreciated all of it. And it really brought to life these stories that I was obsessed with whenever I was a kid. Harold. Harold. Harold, 100%. That okay. was my story in the book when I was a kid that really got to me, and he was done really well. Even if the story wasn't quite the way I remembered it, or wasn't quite the way it was written, that's okay. They did their own take on it. But he was creepy as Fuck. Even before they did anything to him. Even when he was just a scarecrow on a stick. It was scary as shit. Okay. I like the jangly man. Yeah. What was the other story called? Not me tie Dottie Walker. The other one. Uh, what do you ask? Something like that? What do you come for? What do you come for? That one, I can't remember if that was the one that scared me the most, but 
It's definitely one I remember the most. These, these body parts falling out of the chimney and assembling themselves. Because when I was a kid at my parents' house, we had a chimney. Mm. And I was like, oh, what if? <laughs> what happens to me if? Yes. But, yeah, so... And the jangly man, apart from being a spirit, like, he was a very real and threatening presence. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... So as far as the movie went, that just, it got me when he's just screaming his rage out at everything, and I'm like, ah, that's cool. And there's something to be said about the, how terrifying it is, like, the uh, the pale woman slowly creeping up. Like, that's creepy, sure, that's a slow burn, it's really creepy. The, uh, um, the I don't know what she's actually called, the woman looking for her toe. Like, again, creepy. Like, Big toe coming, And, like, you hear her kind of, like, quietly moaning and gasping. But with him, you know where he's at, and it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you can't stop him. Doesn't matter. Can't mm-hmm. get away. So yeah, be fucking terrifying. Yeah. I think that my least favorite part this time actually was some of the characters. Usually the characters are some of my favorite parts in, in horror movies because some horror movies don't have any other redeeming qualities except for the character development. Mm-hmm. But Stella was acceptable, but they all did things that really fucking annoyed me the entire time chuck just speaking honestly was enough to annoy me and <laughs> the only character that i actually liked and only for about 30 seconds was the cop and the rest of the characters just annoyed me that's funny he was a good character like his personality was fitting i think yeah he's a pretty straightforward cop for the time i guess not that there's anything okay about racism but it unfortunately was pretty systemic that time. It's still... <laughs> we're not going it to get into that right now. Sure. <laughs> uh, mine, easily, there were two that I was going back and forth on, but the lock picking That pisses me off. <laughs> the first time with the pen, I was like, alright, fine, whatever, he's got some skills, for whatever reason, fine. But then her, with the fucking switchblade, like, fuck that. That is lazy-ass fucking writing. <laughs> not as lazy as the book thing. <laughs> Which was my least favorite part. <laughs> what an awesome segue. For it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> well, well, you, could, you could literally say this about anything. Yeah. Oh, like, the reading thing? Okay. I was wondering. You what... don't brew the coffee. The coffee brews you. Yeah. Like I said, you that... don't. <laughs> Go and watch Mystery Men. That was the character. You don't walk the dog. The dog walks you. Like, literally, that's the entire movie. Pick two things. Blah, blah, blank, blank. Blank, 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 blank. Well, I mean, that's the whole premise of that joke. The. In Mother Russia, <laughs> in Mother Russia, you don't read book, book read you. Yeah. <laughs> and that was funny. Yeah. Oh, what was what was his name? Yakov Smirnov. Yeah. It was funny when he did it. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to make it sound serious. Just cut it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Scariest part, I think, for me, was probably the big toe lady. Because that actually was pretty high up there as far as my story from the book goes that might actually be my story from the book there's just something so gross about hacking off a corpse's toe she didn't hack it off she pulled it out of the ground because <laughs> it was sticking out of the ground and this dumb bitch walked into her garden was like a big toe look at that and yanked on it for like a good couple of minutes until eventually it popped off yeah and she put it in a fucking stew Ugh. and did she she heard it running under the ground like running away under the ground i think i which i right. think is something that really creeped me out about it and do, do, do. wouldn't you have immediately dropped the toe and been like oh my god i'm so fucking sorry <laughs> So he gave it a good hard jerk, and it came off in his hand, and then he heard something groan and scamper away. Ugh. 
I thought it... Okay, my, my mistake. I'm sorry. Let me retract that. This dumb bastard <laughs> pulls a toe out of yeah. the fucking ground. It was the little boy in the dumb story. Little dick. A boy was digging <laughs> at the edge of the garden. <sighs> I, it, it, there is something inherently wrong with that. Because children of any age, I think, understand when something's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Especially a person. Like, if, if they found a dead body, like, they would just know inherently there's something not right about it. In the story, does a little boy bring it to the mom? And does she make a stew out of it? I believe so. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Like I said, I haven't read these stories for a little while. The ones that stick with you, stick with you. And, like, worst mother of the year award goes Seriously. to Toastu Lady. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so my scariest for the movie was Harold. <laughs> Fucking Harold. <laughs> Not even him, like, just waiting for him to be animated was the scariest part for me. Like, him, like... And moving and like getting ready and getting down and like slowly squeaking towards him. Like, that was creepy, sure. Wait, let's all make our best Harold noises quick. Bill <laughs> Harold, I must say. <laughs> anyway, so he's like, that That to me was fucking terrifying. And when I first heard about this movie, I got excited. And the preview that they had, I think on, like it was a Facebook ad or something, was just a 30 second clip of the, the corn getting blown in a breeze and it's slowly panning closer and closer to Harold and same kind of thing I was waiting for him to twitch or move or the eyes to move or something and it scared me just a couple of months ago so yeah that was absolutely my scary scene okay and it, it puts me in mind of an old saying don't put all your eggs in one basket <laughs> which Tommy did and he was lost he supposed to carry two baskets all those eggs yeah <laughs> he also lost his life so presumably uh I don't think she's going to write him back to life. <laughs> you don't? She might? I don't know. <laughs> My scariest moment, I don't want to do the same thing, but The Jangly Man. That's fair. This is a movie that literally is about our childhood fears. It is. But when he... It wasn't even when his head rolled out of the chimney. To be honest, when his head first rolled out, I was like, cool. Because there he is. Because I'm an adult now, and I'm not afraid of that stuff anymore. Uh-huh. Right? That's what I tell myself anyway. But uh-huh. <laughs> when he's cramming his skull through the bars, and you hear it crackling... And yeah. he gets his head in and he goes, coward! And I'm yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah. If I was in that cell, I, I would not be calm at all. The, I would only be thinking how there's no way out. <laughs> the creepiest scene with the jangly man for me was actually where Ramon had just entered his leg and he was kind of hiding behind something and you just see the jangly man kind of walking past the doorway. Oh, and yeah. like, that was why it was kind of Demogorgon-esque to me. Yeah. Like, just, just out of view. He yeah. died to do a <laughs> Demogorgon-esque right. sounds like a soup you'd find on a buffet on a cruise ship. How we'll have some of the Demogorgon-esque? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, real quick, our ratings. I think that I would give this movie, as far as just an overall movie goes, like a 75%. I think that it was a decent movie. I think that some of the writing was lazy, some of the character development was lazy, and just the characters bugged me. But I don't know, maybe it's just teenagers. I'm at that stage of my life where teenagers just bug me. Maybe that's all it is. <laughs> But <laughs> you're the scariest people on earth. <laughs> Just ask Gerard Way. <laughs> and what? For oh, for creepy. Um, honestly, for creepy, I'd probably give it like an eighty-seven percent. It was Specific. pretty spectacular. Okay, I'm less fond of the movie overall. I felt like there was a lot of shortcuts and there was a lot of lazy writing um, that bothered me a bit. I would give the movie like a forty-five percent overall. Um, and as far as spooky, I agree. I, w- I would give it like a 75% for sure. Because it was not a very cohesive movie, but it was when it wanted to be scary, it was fucking scary. That was 12 less percent than I gave it. 
<laughs> I'm going to give it a 90 overall. Really? Yes, because seldom do I see a movie preview and get excited about it. Mm, okay. But I saw this one, and I'm like, snap, i got to watch that, which so, very rarely happens. So there are a lot of times where that happens to me, but then I watch the movie, and I'm like, fuck, this shit sucks. Yes. But you, that, that did happened, not and happen that didn't time. happen. Okay. All My right. expectations were rewarded. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, and yeah, that, that's even rarer occurrence. Rare that I see a preview and I'm like, oh, I gotta watch that. And rarer that it meets my expectations. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll give it a 90% all over creep and for goodness. Okay. So 90 all okay. around. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I'm usually the one that's a lot easier on movies than y'all <laughs> It are. was not a bad movie. It really wasn't. And I'm being kind of hard on it, but I'm typically more of a dick about subtle things that bother me more. It was also a nostalgia thing, too. It was. It really was. Yeah, I, I, if I hadn't read those stories as a, as a kid, I don't know that it would have had as much of a hold on me yeah. as it did now, like, having read those stories. Agreed. But, Vic, do you have any literature recommendations for this week? Do you mean Max? I think I think you mean Max. Yeah, Max. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I do. Mommy. Matter of fact. Uh, I believe last week I mentioned Tales of Terror and Mystery. There's a lot more stories than just the one I mentioned. On a different note, though, I would recommend The Shadow Over Innsmouth by H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. Very good. It is very scary. Out of all the uh, short stories slash novellas of horror that I've read, The Shadow Over Innsmouth has one of the most horrifying moments in any book I've ever read. Uh... So I highly recommend it. Okay. Can I step on your corner a little bit and actually recommend something that I'm excited about? Maybe. In that same vein and from that. The Color Out of Space ah, is a yeah. fucking creepy story. And I actually ran a D&D session based off of it because it was that creepy. Mm. Um, which you I did had a lot of fun I was there. It was a lot of fun. I would, I would recommend that. I mean, I listened to it narrated to me while I was at a job that I hated because it was the only way that I could do the job without bursting into flame. <laughs> but still, creepy. Creepy, creepy story. I just want to, real quickly, if you haven't read the scary stories stories... Oh, yeah. I highly right. recommend those. <laughs> I was just thinking, of all Honestly, the books to recommend right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the scary story books. They're know. so good. The first one is is my favorite. It is easily my favorite. I was actually just looking. The dedication in this is to Dinah, and there's just a picture of a creepy wheelchair. Ew. And That's I fun. really want to know the story behind that. I don't want to know. But it's... Yeah, I just, they're so good. And there's also in the back of, at least in the back of my copy, there is a bibliography where they have a list of all the shit where they got the different folklore from. References is the shit that she is referring to. Yes, references. I I do good words and stuff. <laughs> but it, there's so many different things in here, and I kind of want to go through and read some of these. Awesome. Well, maybe you can... Fill us in on how that goes. All right. So, wrapping up. Thanks for listening, guys. It's always a blast. Hope you guys had fun. We promise we are going to try to keep doing this for a while. So, if you enjoy it, definitely like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Helps us out a ton. We would Download. Love to, love to keep bringing you guys all kinds of crazy content and do more in the future. Oh. So, kind of important, though. Oh. <laughs> what are we doing next week? <laughs> oh, oh. It's my turn. It's my turn. We are going to do an oldie but a goodie. <sighs> The ring. Ooh! <laughs> Alright. Right. Yes! Count me in. Alright. It's just one of my favorite horror movies. It's so freaking scary! It's so good, and it was kind of new, and it, it was exciting, and a big part of it is because of the fact that 
I was like 13 and it was the first time that I was really allowed to go out and watch horror movies at the theater and mm. so it, it was has kind a... of backbreaking not backbreaking groundbreaking <laughs> but also backbreaking <laughs> but also backbreaking <laughs> <laughs> But it is such a good movie, and I'm super excited to watch it again, because I honestly haven't seen it in probably a decade. So. Yeah, it's been at least that for me. It's funny, because I just watched that like a month and a half ago. That's funny. <laughs> but well, I'm super ready to watch it again. <laughs> all right. Okay, so are we now done? I think so. Thanks right. for tuning in, So guys. go ahead, watch The Ring, refresh your memory. I'm sure a lot of you have already seen it. Okay. But if you haven't, watch it now, and you'll be ready to join us next week, or not. I don't care. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to Hounds of Horror. If you enjoyed our podcast and would like to know how to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash houndsofhorrorpod. If you support us on Patreon, you get access to some cool Patreon-only items, or just have the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping us create more content.